Some businesses succeed, some don't. Then there are those that seem to have been around forever. The true entrepreneurial success story. How did they do it? What was their vision? What makes a success? In this special episode for Ion Annapolis, we speak with the true success stories, those business owners that have been around for decades, learn from their successes and failures. Now, here's host John Fernay. I'm here at Big, which is the Books for International Goodwill. I didn't even realize they had a second floor in their warehouse, but up here on Defense Highway with two of the members of the Parole Rotary Club. I'm here with Scott Gregory and Dave Vogel. And thank you guys for inviting me here. The Rotary has been such a part of Annapolis and the Annapolis area. Uh, you guys obviously parole, but forever. Uh, I mean, we've I've heard Rotary. I mean, I'm 56. No, I'm not. I'm 58. I got to come to terms with that. But, uh, you know, the Rotary has been around forever. And we just wanted to come in and talk and find out a little bit about the Parole Rotary Club, as well as, you know, certainly Books for International Goodwill, which is just a fabulous initiative that you guys have undertaken um, worldwide. But welcome, Dave and Scott. How are you guys today? Good, good. Thank you for having good. us. What is each of each of your roles? Um Dave, you are the president? I'm the current president of the Rotary Club of Parole. Uh, we have a, a one-year term. My term runs until June 30th of this year. Our current president-elect, who's Christy Neidhart, will, will become the president. And then her president-elect happens to be Scott Gregory. Okay. So we have an absolute line of succession so that the club continues to move forward. And we time it the way that we do so that we keep the same initiatives and the, the forward focus going well, part really of our does. strategic plan. Let me start in the basics really. What does Rotary do? I mean, the logo, logo looks like a gear. We know it's a service club, but what exactly does a Rotary? And I know there's, you know, we've got the Annapolis Rotary, you've got the Parole Rotary, and there's a zillion Rotaries across the country. Rotary started over 100 years ago in Chicago. A gentleman by the name of Paul Harris got together with some other business people and said, we need to create an organization with a focus on business ethics and business practices and community service. And so our basic motto is service above self. But we serve as some of the things Dave talked about. It's a, a, a wonderful group of people who get together and, and are able to network. We do a lot of different things within the community to uh, feedback and provide support. And we can go through some of those as we as we have a conversation. Uh, Rotary's got about 1.2 million people, members around the world, in most countries of the world, and has a proud history. Rotary is, to the best of my knowledge, the only charitable-type organization that has a seat on the United Nations, oh, actually wow. was involved in, in the founding of the UN. Uh, Rotary has a foundation that's one of the highest-rated foundations in the world that is provides money and support for all kinds of, of charitable activities around the world. I didn't realize it was uh, an international organization. Very, very much so. Rotary undertook some years ago, and I can't tell you how far back, undertook a project to eradicate polio in the world. And working with the UN and various other sources, we've gotten to the point where polio is largely eradicated except for small outbreaks in three countries in the world. Wow. Um, Bill Gates has, has poured hundreds of millions of dollars into this project. We're close, but not there. But it's an, an, an incredible undertaking. At the local level, 
every local Rotary Club tends to find its own niche, its own area of activity. So you're familiar with the Downtown Annapolis Club, which is our founding parent, if you will. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, they. So how, how did that split off? Did somebody get mad at somebody and say, okay, I'm starting my own? Or... I don't think so. I know a lot of so. churches do that. but <laughs> No, I, th- I think what happened was, and this was probably, what, 35 years ago, yep. uh, there was a group of people downtown in the downtown club, which meets at lunch, and there were a group of people who said, this isn't the most convenient time or place, and we're a big club, and somebody within the group said, let's start another club that will be a breakfast club. And George Benson of Benson Motors was one of our uh, initial founders. He just passed away, unfortunately. And this club was started a long time ago. The downtown club, as you know, is is well known for the the crab feast they do at the uh, football stadium every year. They've done that for many years. And I know your meetings are in the morning. We meet Tuesday morning for breakfast at 7.30 in the morning, and we're done by 8.30. And I know the Annapolis Rotary meets at noon, I believe. That's true. So that's, uh, that makes perfect sense in the world for the business community to pick your uh, pick your poison as to which one you <laughs> which well, one you want to attend to. There's another Rotary Club in South County that meets in on Route 214 on Thursday mornings. For Thursday breakfast. mornings. Plus, we have an evening club that meets on Tuesday nights. Oh, okay. That's a satellite club of ours. Okay, so they're all part of Parole Rotary, but it's just a different, or are they, or are they their own different? The satellite club is is a part of us. The South County Club is a separate club, just like the Annapolis Club is a separate club. Okay. Interesting. You mentioned the, the Crab Feast for the Annapolis Club is their signature thing. What is your signature thing? Obviously, we're talking about big and books for international goodwill here, but you do an awful lot of other things throughout the community. Uh, we do. And um, between the two of us, maybe we'll remember half of them in this conversation. <laughs> our, our biggest signature project, obviously, is books for international goodwill. This project is going to celebrate its 25th anniversary this year, and we've shipped almost 9 million books all over the world to start schools and libraries. We second biggest thing we do is that we have parked cars or directed parking at the Naval Academy football games for 20, 25 years. And that's primarily a fundraiser that generates the funds that we then use to do all kinds of other things within the community. For example, we give dictionaries to every third grader in town every year. We have a foundation. We typically give out uh, between 20 and 30 grants uh, to local organizations that apply for grants to help them with their activities and help them with their youth outreach. And I mean, we're, we're heavily focused on youth. So that's a good program of ours. We just finished up a, we had a major project with the Phoenix Academy to help build their greenhouse and their hydroponics area that's attached to the school. And that was a, that's a good example of a short-term project that has a duration, whereas big has been big has become a self-propelled engine um, that takes care of itself now. I was going to say big, uh, and, and I, a little bit later I do want to get into the details of big because I just think it's absolutely fascinating does such wonderful work. But uh, when you talk about this grant at the, at the Phoenix Academy, I mean, you say you're focused primarily, not primarily, but you you do sort of gear toward youth. And, I, I mean, are we looking at scholarships or is it just really projects so, that – so it's projects. So, so an example would be the dictionaries for the students. That's at the third grade level. We've also provided Chromebooks to uh, Tyler Heights, and we're going to provide Chromebooks again this year. Uh, we do Backpack Buddies. We have directly participated with uh, organizations like the Phoenix Academy to, 
to try to help do mentoring for the students. Uh, we have a contest every year called the Four-Way Test Contest. Speech uh, contest. Speech contest. And that speech contest is conducted with our Interact Club, which is at Broadneck High School. And the winners of that actually go forward to actually win scholarships. Um, so we're, um, we're spread across to, to gain as much entry into the youth community as we can to help. And I imagine that's probably a little bit of a, I don't want to say a double-edged sword, but you've got a, a two-pronged attack there because you've, uh, you know, once you get the youth involved in this and you've benefited them as, as youth, hopefully they're going to be turning around and giving back vis-a-vis possibly, you know, joining a Rotary Club wherever they maybe end up uh, and, and remember where they got their starts. We'd in. love for them to do that. What we believe is by investing in the youth of today, we're investing on our future for tomorrow. And so from our standpoint, this is a natural fit. These are where the leaders are going to come from. And Rotary is a lot of community leaders working together to benefit the community. How big is the club? Our club? Yeah. We have 62 people today, uh, plus our satellite club, which has 12 or 14 more. So our reach is between 60 and 70 people. Uh, we've been larger before, and we have active membership. Anybody who wants to join can come to our breakfast meeting on Tuesday mornings. We'll be happy to talk to them. Where do you guys do your breakfast meetings? Still up Double at, Tree Hotel. Right, right on up, Holiday Court? That's exactly right. That's been there for many it ha- years. It has well, been. Many years as it well. They've been really good to us. We have a, a great breakfast. We have, our meeting location is, uh, is well established for us. Um, they take care of us. They've been very good. What are the requirements to be a member of the Rotary? I mean, you you know, you talked that it was a business and sort of a somewhat of a networking type of an organization and and ethical business practices and whatnot. I mean, you don't have to be a business owner uh-uh. or a uh, it's just somebody interested in community. I would say that someone who's interested in community should look at us. I would say that someone who wants to invest in community should look at us. If somebody's looking for something to be a part of that's bigger than just work that they might do, they should look at us. You don't have to be a business owner, and you don't actually have to be invited by a member, although once you come in, uh, we'll partner you up with someone because we want you to have a mentor. The best way to learn about Rotary uh, is to learn from someone who's already been involved with Rotary. Um, Scott, aside from the other things that we mentioned earlier, is also the chairperson of our membership committee. And so uh, he is the foundation piece for how we're trying to bring members into the club right now and, and what types of memberships we should offer. So, But but if if you wanted to come, you're welcome to come. Come have breakfast on us. Well, well you, you, had, you had said prior to starting the recording that he had recruited you. So he obviously recruit- he's doing a hell of a good job. In- he, he- <laughs> As, as the yes. membership. So I'm, I'm real pleased he recruited me. This was this was the organization I was looking for. It's felt like home since. It's like a big family. Why were you looking for a, a new organization or why were you, why were you looking for uh, an organization? I wanted, just... I wanted to do payback to the community. I had a, at the time that Scott and I first met, I had my own business and uh, my business th- did thrive. I sold it. I made money on the business, which is, I mean, that's what you hope to do, right? right. And uh, I kept looking around going, I need to pay back because the community helped build my business. And so I was looking to help pay back to the community. And I looked at several organizations and in fact was a part of a number of them, but none of them had uh, quite this, the, the definition of purpose that Rotary had and the uh, sense of community the true sense of community, that we're all part of uh, a larger thing. In this case, we happen to be Parole Rotary, but as we, as Scott mentioned earlier, we're an international organization. We have 33,000 clubs. We have 1.3 million members. Locally, we're divided into clubs and, and districts and areas. In our district, we have 63 clubs. We have over 3,000 members. Wow. So it's we 
we get together, it's a good thing. What is, um, and I've seen this before, what is a Rotaract? Obviously, it's related. Rotaract is a, is a rotary club for younger people, for people before the age of That's what, probably why no one's 30? come knocking on my door. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you've just gotten out of college, you started working, and you're starting a new career, and you're looking for a rotary-type activity that you can get engaged in. Our clubs, most of the rotary clubs, tend to be substantially older, and Rotaract provides a... a, a, a Good, youth. good place for young younger people to get their start with the hope in due course that they will uh, Come work their way through that and work their way into a Rotary into Club. A rot- now, is it part of a Rotary organization, a Rotaract? Yes, it is. Okay. Let's get into big. This is up, and I, I don't know the exact address on Defense Highway, but it is, you want to go past the VEIP station and Best Buy and all that. And just as you start to think you're getting outside of Annapolis and the road starts to curve a little bit, look for a left turn. Best thing I can say, first class gymnastics for anybody that has little kids that may have done it is in the same complex. The, um, the address is 451 Defense Highway. And there is a sign at the foot of the driveway that has that address on it, but it also lists the tenants. So it lists books for International Goodwill and the Gymnastics Club. Right. So that. Right. And I will say, coming out of Annapolis, be careful when you take that left because cars can come up there. You got to make sure that you give enough. <laughs> that's correct. And, and if you get to the, an overpass, that's I-97 and you've just gone past us. Right. Or you hit that light at Crownsville Road. That'll, that'll yes. do it there. Now, this is a no-frills warehouse and it's just filled with books. I wouldn't say it looks like a library, but it's got shelves and it's got books, which are the two key components of a library. But what is it that Books for International Goodwill does? Our primary focus is to promote literacy around the world by recycling books that otherwise would be thrown away. So we collect used books from any source you can imagine. Uh, We sort them into the categories that places all around the world would be interested in. Uh, We get applications from Pakistan and all over Africa and Iran and Iraq and the Philippines. uh, And they'll say, we would like to have textbooks or medical books or whatever. So this is, is this an initiative of the Parole Rotary Books for International Goodwill, or is this a larger initiative that you guys are part of? No, this is a freestanding. It was started by Parole Rotary. Uh, we're not aware of any other clubs that are doing this. We believe, based on research, that we are the largest totally volunteer-based book redistribution organization in the world. It started kind of by accident 25 years ago, and it's just grown and grown and grown. And it's, at this point, totally volunteer-driven. This is a good example of a rotary project that went from being local and, and something that might have, much like I mentioned the Phoenix Academy earlier, been a one-time-and-done into an ongoing operation that's celebrating 25 years. It's an amazing story. That's, that's incredible. And, and as we were coming up to this room, processing room, I guess, <laughs> was, uh, you know, the amount of books that were in there that you've got on shelves and on pallets that are wrapped up to go here. And as you said, these are going to countries all over the world. How do these countries find out about you through the rotaries in those countries? Um, we have a website. We have a Facebook site. Uh, we have at this stage, after 25 years, a number of contacts around the world. In Africa, for example, there is one individual who keeps sending applications for different schools or libraries or, or things like that. Uh, we love to work through other Rotary Clubs. Uh, among other things, a local Rotary Club can vet a recipient because we don't want to send books, say, to a 
book dealer who's going to turn around and sell them. We want to yeah, sure. support schools and libraries and literacy. So having a local Rotary Club involved is, is a real positive. Okay, donations. I've got a bun- bunch of books that I need to get rid of uh, that, I, that I've read. They've served their useful purpose for me, whatever it may be. What types of books do you take? We take virtually any kind of book. I jokingly tell people when they call and ask that same question. I say, we take everything but porn, and then I wait for them to chuckle. But other than that, we take virtually everything. Now, there may be books that just can't be used. You know, that 1987 encyclopedia you bought for the kids? It's a great book, nice binding. It looks pretty on the shelf. But but we will accept that. Uh, We can recycle books that we can't use and generate some income from that to help pay for operating costs. Okay, when you recycle books, I mean, is that is that just sort of a, a in simple terms, like a shredding type of a thing where they would pay per the pound of, or is there a place that uses them? Yes, yes, to both. Uh, some some books we can uh, we can sell in bulk, and there are, there are places that will buy them, and they reuse them for things like movie sets, whereas. Somebody's building a movie and they want to create something that looks like an attorney's office, so they want a, a library that looks impressive. Sure. Or it's a cafe and they want what looks like an impressive-looking library. Um, they are also very interested in, in very old books. Um, we do sell some books on the Internet because we get books that may have real value. I was told the other day about a book that uh, one of our folks sold for $250 on the Internet. And uh, that's money that comes back here. It's sort of like the uh, the story you hear about the gold doubloon that's dropped in the uh, Salvation Army Catholic Christmas that realize it's not just a dollar. It's worth, you know, 10000 I mean, it's just great when you get a, you know, a, a classic, valuable collector's book. Yes. Now, do you have somebody here that is able to identify those? We have a couple of people who have an eye for and some knowledge about what kinds of books have greater value. And so as books come in, they're going through that initial sort, selecting books that they think they can sell on the Internet. So there's really anybody. And I, I first time in this in the building, but I frequented your shed many times out in the parking lot. And that is available 24-7. That's uh, correct. You just come up the thing and... Uh, you know, hopefully I got stopped by a cop one time. What are you doing here? Dropping books off. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, which is good that they're here in the parking lot. We didn't know we had that kind of protection. Eh, I think he was having a cup of coffee. But that's uh, – the shed is right there. And, you know, you can package them up. And I've done them in, you know, sort of canvas bags or boxes and put them there. And So once it comes out of the shed or it's dropped off at the loading dock, how does the whole process work for you guys? Uh, as books come out of the shed, we put them on a pallet, bring them into the – primary sorting area where they get sorted into books that we know can be shipped because they're subject matter material that people want, Uh, books that we don't think are appropriate for shipping, but we think maybe we could sell them and generate proceeds for shipping and operating costs, and books that we really can't do anything at all with, those do go into a recycle where they get shredded and and created new paper. Do, do most are most of the books usable? Do you find that the people are donating? I think that the vast majority are. Yes, we get. No, we're taking in. We estimate about fifteen hundred books a day, and we have a wonderful crew of volunteers who come in on their own and uh, sort through them and figure out what to do with each one. That number blows my mind. Fifteen hundred books a day. That's a community that's really supporting this initiative. 
Oh, yes. That, that people are coming in here to donate 1,500 books a day. You take that times seven days a week times six six weeks, which is the uh, time between your book sales. Um, now, the book sales, you, you did say they were every six weeks about. That's correct. And what is what would put a book for sale as opposed to a book for shipping? Well, if there's certain categories of books that we know are wanted abroad that really aren't particularly great for for sale. For example, any textbooks. Periodically, we get a lot of textbooks from the Naval Academy. Sometimes we get them from the local school systems, and those go directly into shipping. A number of books will go onto the shelves, and we'll see if they can be sold. And after a sale, we will then go through and cull those books that have been on the shelves for a while and move them back into shipping. Uh, So that a book may start out on the shelf as a fiction book, and after it doesn't sell for two cycles, it, it goes into the to-be-shipped. Interesting. So on, on the book sales, what is, what is the cost on the on the books and the book sales? Obviously, um, we're not paying Barnes & Noble prices, which is wonderful. Prices are, I think, very reasonable. A hardcover book, which is often virtually brand new, we sell for $3. Oh, wow. A paperback, softcover book, we sell for $1. And what we call trade paperbacks, which are Full-size paperback books sell for $2. We have a bunch of wonderful collection of children's books. And if they're very small, they sell for 50 cents a piece. Other children's books are a dollar a piece. We have a whole bunch of movies on DVD and music on CDs that people drop off. And we sell three of those for $2. We actually have a whole shelf of books on CD. And we sell those three for $2. I didn't realize that you did... Uh, DVDs and, and movies and CDs and everything we'll, else. That's a We'll give you the guided tour. Okay, we've packed these up for shipment. You've got a country or a, a region in the world that says we need textbooks, and you've got a pallet that's full of textbooks. What happens? We wait until we get enough pallets, 14 pallets minimum, to fill a shipping container. Okay. We order up a 20-foot shipping container from the Port of Baltimore. They bring it here and back it up, and we put 14 pallets of books, which is about 14,000 books, in a shipping container, seal it, and they take it up and put it on a ship in the port of Baltimore, and it goes to wherever, Nigeria, Pakistan. We we sent a shipment to Mongolia. Uh, it's a little harder when you ship it to Uganda because it's in the middle of the country and sure. there's no port nearby. But well, what no when when it gets there, how does it how does it get distributed to the schools or the villages or the communities that need to work on their literacy? Well, to to get a shipment. The recipient has to submit an application. They're going to tell us what kinds of books they want, what they want them for, what the organization is, how the books are going to be used. And so we try to vet them, particularly where we know that there's somebody local that we have a relationship with or whether there's a local rotary club that's going to oversee it. Once we've decided to ship books to them and we ship them, it's their responsibility, A, to pay a minimum $500 earnest money for the, the shipment. And B, they have to pick those books up at the port and transport them to wherever they're going. Okay. Now, different organizations may do different things. In some instances, we may be establishing a library. Uh, and so they will have the building and set that up. In cases like that, in the past, we were even able to ship uh, metal shelving because they had termite issues and, and wood shelves didn't work. You guys would probably know a little bit better than I haven't seen it in a long time. But where do we stand as far as literacy goes in the world. I mean, what is, I mean, we've made a big difference on it from, you know, 10 years ago, but how big is, how big is the illiteracy problem 
there or is there do you do you have any idea i would have absolutely no way to respond to that one of the questions we get a lot is do you send books in natal native language and the answer is largely no we are sending english books books in english wherever they get sent and we find that english is becoming increasingly a universal language we can send them to well it's, it's all over the that, world um air traffic control Worldwide is in English. Yes. Um, which is uh, sort of interesting. And, and we're pretty much the only country, I believe, I didn't say the only country, but one of the few countries that uh, most of our students that come out of secondary school are not bilingual or trilingual. You, you go anywhere, pretty much anywhere in the world, there's native language plus English. Yes. It's not great. It's not great English, but it's a lot better than my French would be if I went over to France or my Spanish are going over exactly. to Exactly. I've been been quite impressed when I go to other parts of the world that they can speak my language, I can't speak theirs. I, Without it, I, I jokingly, I took Latin in high school, and people were like, what the hell are you going to do with Latin? I said, well, if the Pope ever asked me for dinner, I'm, I'm good. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the Western languages, I can turn around and I can – I, I can hack my way through a sign and I, I can get it in, in a cab and out of a cab and uh, figure out how to get from point A to point B without too much of an issue there. What's next for big? Are you just chugging along? And At the moment, we're chugging along, but we're also trying as a board to do some some forward thinking as to what is our future? Where do we want to be five years from now? Uh, we're looking for, um, continually looking for new volunteers, uh, trying to find younger people to bring into leadership roles and trying to give serious thought to, can we expand it, grow it? What direction do we want to go? How do we keep it alive and vibrant? Well, there's, there's an incredible amount of satisfaction. And, uh, you know, my kids, my oldest kid is 28. My youngest is 23. And they're, the oldest one is starting to get it at this point. But there's such a tremendous amount of satisfaction of giving back. Look at, um, Dave, you you had a business and you felt the need to you know, give back. And that's in a much larger sense. And I mean, obviously, you've made a, an incredible commitment to lead the parole rotary, a little giving back. I mean, there's varying degrees of. Well, yeah, because everybody should do what they feel they can do. And it's not always the big give back. It's the consistency of giving back. It's, it's the, you know, a lot of people used to say it's the thought that counts. But taking that thought and turning it into a level of action, no matter how small, actually makes a big difference. It really does. Little little things too. And one thing that I do love about when you guys do park the cars at the uh, at the Naval Academy Stadium is that it's not just, at least from what I've seen, it's not just the Rotarians that are there doing it. It's a family event. Oh, it is. Um, it is. And, and we get volunteers from across a lot of other organizations that will come in and help us. And they're paying back when they do that because this is a good event. It helps us raise. So we mentioned the grants program earlier. A lot of the money that we raise from the Naval Academy parking, we put back into the grants program. So that money is actually going right back into the community. And there are a lot of people that are helping us do that these days. It's great. It's really the way that, that it should work. What is the best way to learn a little bit more about Big and the Parole Rotary? Uh, we know we know about breakfast on Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning. Should arrive about 7.15, so you have time to get a cup of coffee and uh, converse with other people before we start to eat. Okay. Yeah, we'll welcome you and we'll take care of you for breakfast. Can't get better than that. You know when they say there's not a free breakfast? Come see us. There is. <laughs> there's a free breakfast. <laughs> um, website? Big-books.org. That's the uh, website for for the Books for an International Goodwill. And for those that aren't aware of it, t definitely come up here and check that out. You can always check out on our website. We always are advertising when they have the 
the big sales and to come up and, and shop for, for a book and browse, it's just wonderful. I think it's uh, the warehouse has a great smell to it, which sounds really weird to say, but I mean, you've got that, that book smell. Uh, and it's not a, not a new book smell. It's a, it's a, you know, a little bit musty, but that sounds bad too. But it, it's it's a very pleasing, reminds you of grandmom smell. And one point that, that I'd make in passing too is most of the volunteers at Big are not members of Rotary. While Big was sponsored by Rotary, we have a tremendous number of volunteers at Big who just love books. They love the the process of saving them, of keeping them out of the landfill, of passing them on to the next generation, and they are incredibly loyal. Well, you were right. I ran into this. We were on the way up. I ran into my old neighbor, Mike Collins, who said he's not Rotary, but he's been doing this for decades of years. Mike has been on the board for a number of years here at Big. Yeah. Parole Rotary. It's parole-rotary.org. That's exactly Look at that. We both pulled out our phones and we're digging. Yeah, well, it's on, you know. Verify. Verify. It's, it's like, what's your own phone number? Nobody knows yeah, that. No. <laughs> you try to figure that out. Hey, do you guys ever sell or ship to other areas? I mean, we've got our own literacy problems here in the United States. Um, and there are certain areas that need, I mean, are there, is that something that you do or is it strictly international? No, it's we probably in terms of numbers of recipients ship more to more recipients in the United States in various forms. Uh, we have provided books to... Well, let's see, where do I start? Um, the local prisons. I got a call just recently from the jail up in Baltimore asking for books. We have a program right now where we're providing certificates to teachers in the local schools, uh, a coupon that they can use to come in and get books, children's books, to build a library within the classroom so that each classroom and each teacher can have a set of books for, for children. We told you about the Dictionary Project. We've provided books to an Indian reservation out west. We've helped to reestablish libraries that were destroyed by hurricanes or other natural disasters. You guys are all over the place. We try. That's uh, And it still blows my mind that this is one little warehouse in Annapolis, Maryland, that's doing all this for literacy across the globe. Little, little is a word, too. Our last warehouse had about 9,000 square feet. We're down to about five or 6,000 square feet now. So we have to do the very best we can with a small space. Do you ever run out of space? Do you have a need for more space? We're doing very, very well right now. It's a matter of keeping the flow going so that the books are going out the back and door out. at about the same pace they come in the front door. If we had twice as much space, we would probably grow to fill it, but... It's manageable. It's it's manageable. Um and I have to tell you, when we had more space than this, and we did, and I was there too, this space here worked, seems to me to work better for us. And although it's smaller, it, it's well organized, and it makes it easier to find things and, and to move things around. The only thing the bigger space would do is allow us to store more, and we, we stored all kinds of things. So, uh, But this is a great facility. Scott helped set it up with Steve Francic. They did a beautiful job here. doesn't get better than this. Right. And, and I, I guess the other question is, is, as a nonprofit, as Rotary, I mean, do you guys accept just donations from if there's a corporate yes. entity out there that says, hey, you know, I, I believe in what Rotary is doing. Perhaps they're a member or not. I, and I've got, you know, a great year and I want to write a check for 
not only do we accept, we've actually tried to work on a program to encourage donations of that sort. George Benson, shortly before he died, um, made a very nice gift to, to Big, which was very, very helpful. But we're trying to work on some fundraising programs to generate more revenue. Uh, we'd like, frankly, if we could, to be, ship more, you know, if, if we could. We, we've shipped out last year 11 shipments of about 14,000 books each, so something in the neighborhood of 150,000 books. If we can find more books to bring in and more resources, we would ship more. Would do it. it would be more rewarding. Yeah, what great work you guys are doing. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Well, again, paroled-rotary.org. And um, books Big for international Big dash books. Big-books.org. Yes. Check them both out. Consider jumping onto the Rotary. You've got Tuesday morning breakfasts. And you can find out more information about joining there at parole-rotary.org. And I want to, you know, Scott Gregory and Dave Vogel, thank you very much for your time today. I think this is a, a great asset to the world and the community that I don't know whether everybody knows about it. Obviously, you've been here for, not here, but been around for 25 years. And keep your eye out for the next book sale. People who are listening are interested in getting involved and coming and giving us a hand. Our volunteers wander in and out in the course of the day whenever fits their schedule. Uh, we're open and operating Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 9 a.m. to 3 in the afternoon, and volunteers come and go as it fits their schedule. Our next sale is March 14. We have 60 to 70,000 new books or fresh books on the floor, so do come check us out. Well, thank you for having giving us the time to talk with you. It's been a been a real pleasure. Thanks for listening to this special podcast for Ion Annapolis. Please be sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinions. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you your local news direct to your phone or tablet every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes or Google Play.